Random Inks Productions presents the Credible Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Justin and Mark. What's up, my nerd? My name is Justin, and as always, I have my co-host with me, Mark. Hey guys, how's it going? And today is January 7th, 2018, and we are on episode 15 of our podcast. Today, we have a special guest joining us all the way from Michigan, and his name is Harry Payless. So, Hi, guys. We want to give you a minute to introduce yourself and just kind of tell us who you are and uh, tell us a little bit about your nerd cred and why you want to be on our podcast. Okay. Well, I'm Harry from Michigan, and uh, my nerd cred goes way back... Um, Geez, the first board games I like to play were military-style board games like Axis and Allies and Victory in the Pacific. Um, kind of skipped over Risk. It seemed a little too abstract for me. Um, got into D&D early, played all through high school. Nice. Once I was in college, I discovered tabletop miniatures games, and uh, my life's been downhill since then. <laughs> what um, was the first miniature game that you played, if you remember? That would have been um, Warhammer Fantasy. Mm-hmm. That's like old orcs and uh, like elves and stuff like that, right? Yep. Um, your classic um, like Tolkien um, races, but in the Warhammer worlds. Um, quickly moved from that into science fiction gaming with Warhammer 40K um, and did played that heavily through college um, and didn't really stop until uh, graduated and then had moved on where I ended up living in Texas after college the gaming scene kind of sucked. Um, people played with unpainted miniatures or unfinished miniatures and with really, really crappy terrain. And on, I just, I, this scene wasn't for me. It wasn't like what I had in college and I kind of fell away for a few years. Um, in that time I moved from, from like fantasy science fiction into historical gaming and started collecting and painting miniatures for a historical game called flames of war. Uh, went to a couple um, tournaments for that while I was in Texas and really enjoyed that. Um, but there was no scene local. I had to drive four hours to find a store where anybody played it. Huh. So that was like a once a year treat. Uh, <laughs> Some dedication. And then um, moving to Michigan, um, kind of the same thing. The local scene wasn't really here, but continued to play and paint miniatures. And as my kids got older, kind of introduced them into it. Um, made the mistake of trying to build and paint four armies simultaneously and uh, <laughs> kind of got burned out a few years ago and just didn't really do anything. Didn't pick up a paintbrush for two and a half years. I just couldn't even think about painting a miniature. I was just burned out. Yeah. Um, and then uh, living here, as my son was older, we'd, we started going to um, historical miniatures gaming conventions. Um, we've been three times to a convention called Fall In that's in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And it's put on by the Historical Miniatures Gaming Association. And uh, that's three days of, of insanity. Um, it's it's really cool. I mean, you guys have been to conventions, so you know what it's like. Yeah. Um, this is just three days of nothing but games, tabletop miniatures games, board games in the evenings when everything kind of breaks down and people are relaxing, um, huge vendor barn where you can buy anything you can imagine for, for miniatures gaming. Um and then, uh, so I've kind of gotten my, my son into it and then discovered X-Wing a couple years ago. Um, 
and that, like I said earlier, that's been totally downhill since there. I've got piles of miniatures, but we love playing it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Good. Um, so that's my uh, my nerd cred, I guess. Yeah, that's pretty pretty cool. Um, what? Um, how big are the gaming conventions that you've been to? Would you say a couple thousand, twenty, yeah, forty thousand? Uh, no, it, it, it's a fall in. I think this year they had about twenty eight, twenty nine hundred people. Okay. Um, the year before it was a little bigger. There's about four thousand people there, but there were some convention hall issues and kind of scared a lot of people away for this year. Yeah. Um, but they're they're anywhere from two thousand to four thousand people, depending on which convention it is. Um, for the HMGS, they're they're big three. Um, a lot of them are much much smaller with uh, two dozen people at them. Oh, okay. And you guys just play all day and take a break, just go to sleep, come back the next day, play some more. Yes. Yeah. Um, like fall in, for instance, the it starts at like eight o'clock in the morning, goes till eleven, and there's um, just uh, dozens of games going on at any one time. So you have to pre-register, you pick the games you're going to play in, and then you go and play. And at those, someone's a game master, and they provide everything. The terrain, the miniatures, the rules. They'll give you a quick rundown, and, and then you just jump into it and play. And then you can just kind of explore you know, different areas of, of, of miniatures warfare and different rule sets, and just it's a good chance to see what's out there. Yeah, okay. Hmm. That sounds pretty cool. I, we have we have two here. One we just found out. We have uh, Salt Lake Gaming Con, uh, which is it's going to be going into I think it's third year this year, but that's more of kind of like all around gaming. You know, com- computers, video games, board games, whatever. You know, just any type of game you can think of. Um, but that's more of like a Comic Con type thing mixed with it. The Salt Con kind of sounds more like what you're talking about. A little bit okay. more, and we don't really know much about that. But I think I'm going to go this year, and I'm, I'm trying to drag Justin along with me because awesome. it, it sounds fun, and you know, something that's going to be, you know, to learn these games like this this X-wing. I've been looking into it. it looks It looks really fun, right? And I like the minute miniature games, but just run into the problem no one to play with. So, it right? Be- yeah, that was my problem with D and D growing up. There was two of us, and you can only do we really can't do anything with two people. So it was just. Um, kind of i liked it but i didn't really get into it because of that so that's one of the reasons why i moved to the big city of salt lake city and <laughs> so my kids could have that experience they they're not into D, but they have a lot of friends with the same interests so that's cool um but i think they might pick up the x-wing miniatures game i mean they like star wars so so what are some of your favorite franchises ari um obviously star wars yeah um since seeing a, a new hope i've i've really been hooked yeah um and uh, just always, and now that I play X-Wing, we talk about Star Wars all the time as we're uh, planning our, our annual or, or biannual game days. Nice. Um, and uh, collecting the ships and painting the ships and the talking with the young men. Uh, all the, you know, the 14 to 18-year-olds at church, they're always playing it too. Yeah. Um, and so Star Wars is the big one. Um, I'm still really into the 40... K universe, the Warhammer 40K universe, as far as reading goes. Um, I've lost interest in the game and the miniatures, but the universe is still extremely well-developed and um, the fiction to it, I really, really enjoy. Okay. Did you play 40K, uh, Mark? Did you ever get into that? Uh, I played... Yeah, I played a little bit with Brent, and I had some miniatures. We painted most of them, and 
and uh, had a good time with it. And then he just kind of felt a little bit overwhelmed. Uh, didn't feel like that's something he really wanted to get in, you know, because of how much in depth it was going to be. So we kind of stopped there. Um, I've played the Warhammer 40K uh, on com- uh, on PC games. They they have a Steam game, and they keep coming out with them. So I've played those, and, and those are a lot of fun. A bunch of my friends and I play it, but uh, not the miniature version, you know, <clears throat> the the real version. So uh, I think it'd be fun to get into, but I, I have heard it's uh, a lot of people are starting to move away from it. And I don't know if it's because it's just an old game, time for something new, or if it's just getting too too much like there's just they're always adding something and you know just kind of might be getting overwhelming i don't know but uh um when i played it it was it was great i did have a fun time so okay i wouldn't say people are are moving away from it so much as every time they they put out a new set of rules people quit the game right um they're like oh i don't like this i don't like where they're going i'm gonna move on um, I'd say probably 75% of those people come back for the next edition because they miss it. The biggest hurdle to entry is the cost. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're looking at uh, some of the miniatures are $20 a miniature, and a tank is 40 bucks, and it's just it's very very expensive. And if you can't paint miniatures and you have to pay to have them painted, you're double or tripling that cost per miniature. Yeah, and the starting packs are like 100 bucks. 150 right. bucks right so yeah it, it is expensive to get into and um i i mean it's something i could get into but i would need people to play with otherwise i have 150 dollars of uh painted figures <laughs> right i think they call those action figures action uh, figures, and those are manly yeah <laughs> let anyone tell you different nope they are totally manly <laughs> cool all right well glad to have you harry um we've talked a little bit online the last little bit but uh, we've been friends for about 25 years, is it? Probably yeah. 26, maybe 27. Uh, so we, when you were in college, we were roommates for a little bit. Yep. For about a, a year, maybe, was it? Uh, it was about six months. Oh, is that all? Yeah. Hmm. You oh, guys yeah. have lived together for some time, but I was only uh, the homeless guy living with you for about <laughs> six months. Yeah, that's right. But then you just you moved to Provo. Right. We still hung out. We still went down yep. there. You came up, that sort of thing. So, yeah. Yep. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So it's good to have you on our podcast and I look forward to um, interacting with you. So welcome. Thank you. Very excited to be here. Yeah. But before we continue, I want to take a break and give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Audible Audiobooks, and encourage you guys to go check out their website, audible.com, for some of the latest audiobooks that are available. Uh, Artemis by Andy Weir, who also wrote The Martian, is on audiobook. Hidden Figures is another great book. Uh, Ready Player One, which we've reviewed on our show many times and talked about it, is narrated by Will Wheaton and is available as an audiobook. So pretty much any book that you have read or perhaps listened to in the past, audible.com has. And I encourage you guys to go check it out to audibletrial.com slash randomangst. By using the randomangst code, you will get a free audiobook on us. You will also be able to join audible.com and pay a monthly fee to get more audiobooks every month. Uh, The plan that I'm on is $15 a month, which is uh, pretty cheap compared to uh, most audiobooks are about $30 to $50 per book. So by joining audible.com, you get a book for $15 a month and you can cancel at any time. There's no year-long commitment or six-month commitment. It's month to month. 
and you can join for as long as you want, get as many books as you want, and then stop your membership when you're you're done. So I encourage you guys to go check it out. Um, also go to audibletrial.com slash randomangst to get a free audiobook on us. And now back to our discussion and reviews about the things that we like to nerd out about. The first up is Jumanji. Um, that's really been the only big movie uh, that came out right around Star Wars, at least that I can recall. It came out a week after Star Wars The Last Jedi. And on the last podcast, I kind of poo-pooed it and was like, ah, I'm not going to go see that. It's just The Rock and he has the same acting style, blah, blah, blah. I'll just rent it on video when it comes out type attitude. Um, but I actually went and saw it uh, last week and with my family. Um, we had got some good word of mouth reviews, so we went and checked it out and it was actually pretty good. Uh, I would recommend it and The Rock did great. He wasn't his normal usual, hey, I'm the buff guy, you better listen to me or I'm going to beat you up type thing. He played a character, who, a video game avatar, and his character that he was representing was, I think, like a 15, 16-year-old teenage boy. And Ro- The Rock, uh, Dwayne Johnson, was able to kind of mimic though that insecurity, that... Um, and he's kind of a nerd. He liked to play video games and wasn't, you know, good with the ladies type thing. So, but he actually mimicked that, those actions and that mindset and everything really well. And it was believable. I mean, there were times when I was like, you know, that's, that's not The Rock. That's, you know, this kid. So I totally bought into as the acting style. And I got to give him his props for, for doing such a good job with it. And the story was, you know, wasn't anything amazing, but it was, it was fun. It was entertaining. Um, I laughed uh, at some some good parts some funny parts so i recommend go seeing it uh, i'd give it a b maybe a b plus at best it's it's a good show uh harry you said that you had gone to see it as well i did um What'd same thing took it? the family last week um, really enjoyed it um i was skeptical when i heard that it was uh, a new jumanji movie was being made it's like how can they redo that what are they going to do different? Yeah. why are they making it again um, I enjoyed the original and, and didn't think it was necessary, but kind of feel the same way with you. Um, Dwayne Johnson was able to channel that teenage angst <laughs> and uh, yeah. nerdiness um, and still have a fun movie. Um, our whole family enjoyed it. We laughed a lot and uh, I, uh, we really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I like the shout out to Robin Williams that was in it. I didn't um, catch that. Or maybe no? I didn't and I didn't put it together. What was it? Um, when uh, Alex was, when they were in Alex with Alex at his house and uh, it had uh, the carving Alan Parrish was here and oh that's that was his character name yes okay yeah I did see yeah. that and I was I was wondering who is that okay. like uh this is uh, this is Alan Parrish's house I'm just living in it right um I really I really liked that because Robin Williams was the original movie and uh, kind of wondered how they were going to approach this and and include him when they couldn't include him yeah yeah definitely uh, this movie had some heart. I think that was the biggest surprise. You know, there was some emotional connection uh, between the characters from the movie to the audience. You know, you really, it was easy to buy into and kind of root for the characters and root for them to succeed and just buy into their story. And um, it was good um, for, for what it was. It won't change your life or anything, but it is definitely a great movie. I think uh, the kids growing up seeing it, I think they'll they'll remember it as a, as a good movie, as we did with the original Jumanji. Obviously, Robin Williams, like you said, was a big part of that movie, and that was missing. But other than that, I think it's pretty comparable as far as uh, enjoyment factor to the first one. Uh, and Mark, he will see it at some point and let us know, right? 
Uh, yeah, <clears throat> I will see it. Uh, I'm sure eventually. Um, but uh, no, I've heard some good things about it. Uh, a couple of people I work with have seen it, and they've they've liked what's come out of it. So uh, definitely seems interesting to me. I kind of uh, uh, like you guys were mentioning. I'm kind of I was I'm been hesitant because. Like you said, what new could they do with it? But I've heard, you know, some different things. And it sounds like they really did a good job putting together a, a new movie and, and furthering, a, you know, the the storyline, I guess. I mean, I, it's its own storyline, but, you know, not ruining it, you know, not ruining the connection. So, no, I'm uh, I don't know when I'll go see it. I'm going to be super busy, but I definitely do plan on seeing it. So, yeah. OK, so coming up in the near future. I think we've talked a little bit about it in the past as um, one of the movies that I'm looking forward to that's coming out, I believe this summer, is Jurassic World 2, uh, subtitled Fallen Kingdom. And there's been a trailer released for that, and we're going to watch that trailer and then we'll talk about it. Here we go. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. So, uh, what are you dating like an accountant now? Or? Owen. Ventriloquist? Stop it. You love a dummy. This is not why we're here. You can blame me. Try to shame me. I know why we're here. A rescue op. Save the dinosaurs from an island that's about to explode. What could go wrong? Blue is alive. You raised her. Do these animals deserve the same protections given to other species? Or should they just be left to die? These creatures were here before us. And if we're not careful, they're going to be here after. cannot be contained. Life breaks free. Life finds a way. So Jurassic World, um, my thoughts on this, I think the first one did well enough and was entertaining enough that I welcome a second, a sequel to Jurassic World. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I just hope they can, you know, carry on the story. If they're doing it just because they can do it, I think with um, the sequel to the original Jurassic Park, I believe it's called The Lost World, um, it wasn't as good as the the first one so it kind of flopped i don't know if it flopped but it didn't have the same effect i'll say that 
as the first one did. And so I just hope that this doesn't have that same, doesn't repeat the same thing, that it, it does go somewhere. I think uh, with what we've seen in the trailer, either with, especially with the T-Rex roaring, either they've just showed us one of the you know pivotal parts of the movie with that, which in the past, that's kind of been the, you know, towards the end of the movie is when the, the T-Rex roars, at least especially in the first one, and then in Jurassic Park as well. Uh, but either they've showed us one of the most pivotal points of the whole movie in this trailer already, or it's going to be even more intense than what we've seen in the trailer. What do you guys think? Um, I, I don't know. I, I like the series. I've watched them all from the beginning. Uh, the original one gave me nightmares when I was a little kid, like everyone else. I played the video game that came out, and back in the day you couldn't save, so you got killed by a raptor in 10 minutes, and you started over. Um, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I get worried because, you know, the first one, while it, doesn't really bad it kind of mimics the original right the new jurassic world kind of mimics the original something new all the people are excited it breaks down and all all hell breaks loose right so i get worried that the second one uh, that's going to come out in june is going to be a lot like the original second one right where they're going to bring to the mainland and you know t-rex is going to get out and run around and destroy a city you know or something it's just kind of weird like that uh you know or I, I guess that's the third one, but I guess the second one where, you know, they go back to the island, right? No, that to is save the, the second kid. one. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah, the third one's really I can't back. remember. So, but you know what I mean? It's just kind of, I hope it's not like that. One thing that I didn't see in the trailer that I really hope we see is more information about InGen, right? Yeah. And they're kind of the... Uh, the group that helped clone the dinosaurs, bring them all out. You know, you saw was it Dr. Wu in the original one, and then you saw him again in the last one. And uh, so he's still involved. He's still there. And, you know, they they took some stuff with them. So what's happening? What's going on? I, I kind of want to see that storyline. Yeah. I don't really care if the dinosaurs die in some explosion, you know. But, uh, I mean, maybe they'll surprise me. Maybe there's a lot more to it. I hope it is. Uh, I don't really like uh, when a trailer shows me the entire movie. So uh, I'm optimistic for this. I'm I'm going to go see it definitely. Um, but I think that there's a lot of pitfalls that, that could happen, and I hope they stay away from them. Yeah. I think um, from what I've seen in the trailer, it's it's all pretty much the same time frame. You know, there's they go back to the island, they're all running around, and then the volcano explodes and everybody's running away. That's pretty much all we've seen. So I'm hoping that's the first third of the movie, you know, the first 20 minutes of the movie or whatever. So they're really not showing us much. They're just trying to draw us back into Jurassic World. Um, that's kind of what I'm, I'm hoping for. Uh, what about for you, Harry? Is there some anything that stands out or anything you're looking forward to with, with this movie? Well, I was kind of thinking the same thing as how are they going to make this different from the original movies so that I'll stay interested in it? Because part of me is like, okay, you've got an island full of dinosaurs, run amok, just nuke it from orbit and call it a day. <laughs> Why are you going back? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what is the draw to go back and try to get eaten again? Yeah. Um, and sort of the mistake that they made, I think, the first time around with the franchise is you keep going back and you keep having issues. You know they're going to eat you, so why go back? Right. Um, so I agree that that in-gen storyline might be a, a little bit of a draw there, something different. Um I do have hopes, mainly because it seems like the movie studios have learned their lessons since the, the 90s with sequels. 
that they make more of an effort to give you a new storyline and um, keep you interested in, in possibly a third one. They're so franchise-oriented now that they're making more of an effort than they once were, where it was like, oh, here's a second movie, everyone's going to go see it. Here's a third movie, everyone's going to go see it. And they got progressively worse. Yeah. Um, so part of me hopes that, that this studio, like all the rest, has, has kind of learned their lesson and it's going to put out a quality story and they're just teasing us with this trailer. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. There is the part with uh, Malcolm from the original series and that's that's intriguing. You know, what what is he going to bring to the table? Does he have a new storyline or is he just eye candy, right? Is, or is he just going to be nostalgia, the nostalgia factor to get it's- a draw? If they have some dumb scene where he's running away from T-Rex in a car or something, yeah. I'm going to get up and walk out. I'm just going to say, I mean, <laughs> great. He, that part was epic. You know, it was one of the best parts. But come on now. Let, let's, you know, like you said, let's move on. New storyline. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's got a lot of potential. Uh, the, the trailer was was exciting. I mean, the, some of the best parts of the first one were with that ball rover thing that the kids were trapped in and they were doing that whole chase scene with with that and that's you know that's back so i think there'll be some more cool stuff with that little vehicle um t-rex is right there in that whole in that mix with all those other dinosaurs so i think the what we saw is going to be pretty intense i just hope there's some good story wrapped around those action scenes um so far all we have is um they want to go back to find the one raptor blue I mean, I don't know that if if I was um, what's his name's character, um, Chris Pratt Owen. Yeah, yeah. If I was Owen, I wouldn't. I'd be like, yeah, he tried to eat me. Screw those guys. I wouldn't like, yeah. like you guys said. I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't get eaten. Yeah, you remember that raptor you owned? Let's go get it. Uh, yeah, I remember that raptor I owned. Adios. I mean, let's go get a raptor. Like, let's wrap our heads around that for yeah. a second. <laughs> so hopefully, it's deeper than just hey, my buddy Blue. I got to go get him. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they got a, a good cast for this if you look at oh, it. I mean, they got Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard, who I like. She's going to be the new Batgirl, mark my words. Uh, you know, B.D. Wong, James Cromwell is in it. Okay. Sounds like a pretty good cast then. Yeah, so then there's, you know, a couple other movies coming out soon. The Maze Runner 3, The Death Cure, that comes out in a couple weeks. I think the 26th of January. And we'll, we'll be going, going to that and let you know what we thought of that as well as the Ready Player One movie that's coming out. I think that's in March, mid-March yeah. or so. Yeah, it comes out in March. It, it looks good. And it's a book, right? I yeah. mean, I think we've talked about it. It's a book, and I, I really want to get it and uh, and read it because the, the whole plot just sounds interesting, and I'm sure you're going to lose a lot of it You know, when you convert books to movies. Yeah. But uh, it just looks – I mean, even the trailer look makes it look amazing. Yeah. And uh, so I'm excited. Yep. And then the that block. was Go ahead. that one. Sorry, sorry. That one was listed as a possible for a top uh, as an honorable mention for the top five grossing movies of 2018. Hmm. Okay. Well, hopefully it does well because it's uh, it's a great book, great story. So hopefully it translates over well to the big screen. Is that a book or anything you know about, Harry? It is not. Um, I've seen the trailer. It looks interesting. Yeah. Um, have not read the book. I'm about four years behind on my reading, and uh, your podcast is not helping. Because every time I listen to you guys talk, it's like, oh, that book sounds interesting. Oh, that one too. Like, geez. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a good story. And then the Black Panther comes out in February. So we got a good movie, at least one good movie for the next few months, three months. And then, uh, I don't know about April, but May is the Avengers 4. Or, no, 3. Avengers 3, sorry. So a lot of good movies coming out in the next few months. Uh, TV shows, we uh, haven't really talked much about the TV shows. Right now I'm watching, still watching The Punisher. Um, I watched probably three more episodes it's kind of bogged down in the middle after like episode three a lot of story which is fine but uh not a lot of not too much action there was a pretty sweet scene with uh, uh the punisher when he goes to when frank castle goes to visit one of his war buddies who's hanging out in the wilderness in the woods trying to be off the grid and they meet up but then the cia sends their assassins after him and there's a big fight in the the woods that's pretty cool um but that's that a series is progressing and then i've started watching the runaways which is on hulu and that's a marvel comics series but it's it's about teenagers with powers and they're kind of x-men-ish a little bit and i've probably seen six episodes and it's it's not amazing for me and i think if i was a teenager i'd be a little more interested but um that's the shows that i'm watching and when i'm done we'll we'll talk about them a little bit more what about for you mark um any shows you're watching yeah i'm just trying to uh, let's see i've I've seen the crown too we saw that you know we saw that last week um i've been watching riverdale i've seen a couple episodes there um just trying to get back into it uh season two's out it's been pretty good uh for those of you don't know riverdale is pretty much archie but really the show is archie meets hardy boys so it's pretty interesting. It uh, was surprisingly okay to me. So I've been watching that. Um, I've been trying to catch up on the old shows, uh, Flash, Supergirl, things like that, before I get into the new ones. Yeah, uh, Vikings. Yeah, Vikings. Vikings just started again, season five. I have been watching that. If you haven't watched it, watch it. It's amazing. Um, just as it just gets better. I love the. Love the series, but uh, those are probably the only ones I've watched. I've just there's so many shows out there, right? And you just kind of almost have to pick and choose which ones you can get to. Yeah, there's a lot, especially with Netflix and Hulu getting in the mix. Yeah, with their you know their shows like Bright came out right and yeah. had to stop and watch that. And I, I guess they're making a second one. Right. Um, that's a good one. Transylvania, or I think it's Castlevania. I can't remember on Netflix. It's a uh, I talked we talked about it like seven or eight episodes ago i think uh they're coming out with a season two on that okay. and it's gonna be 10 episodes the first one was only five episodes um just just a ton of stuff i the the one regret i have is that they got rid of marco polo because i like that series <laughs> that's a bummer for me but uh how many episodes did that uh make uh it had two seasons to oh, it okay. i think they were 10 episodes each and then they had like an offshoot called thousand eyes um that was about what a character in it. Uh, I never watched that because I I didn't never liked the character anyway, so I didn't uh-huh. care about it. But um, uh, it was kind of a bummer they they got rid of it. Okay, yeah. So some good shows going on right now. I think we're just coming off the Christmas break, winter break. So uh, the the shows should start picking up again. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, with movies coming out, I know we'd mentioned that Pacific Rim, the new oh, Pacific yeah. Rim's coming out in March. Yeah, that looks good. Mm-hmm. I like the, the first one was a surprise for me. I 
went into it. I was like, well, I want to go see a movie, but there really isn't anything interesting. Pacific Rim, sure. And I walked out of there liking it. I ended up buying it. It was good. Yeah, I think it was uh, – I mean it got hit really hard with the – um, the critics, and I'm sure it's because it wasn't made by you know Disney or something, but um, <laughs> it uh, it was really good. I've seen it a ton of times lately, and I, I've told other people to watch it, and some people have seen it since, and they like it. So if you haven't seen it, you know, grab that grab that show, go rent it, anything. It's it's surprisingly good. So yeah. is that one that you've seen, Harry, or have interest in seeing? Um, I, I want to see it. I actually never saw the first one. Um, I went a couple of years where I didn't really watch a ton of movies. Okay. It was just busy. It just it seemed like every time a movie came out, by the time I realized it and was like, yeah, I want to go see that, and then all of a sudden it's not in the theater anymore. It's like, oh, well, I guess I'll have to buy it eventually, and it just never got around to it. Yeah. Um, and uh, we, I was talking with somebody at work about it and then um, watched a trailer for the new one and uh, or talk, was talking with somebody about it. I don't remember what, and thought, well, should grab it and watch it with the kids. They probably enjoy it. Looks like a good adventure flick, and yeah. um, the new one should be fun too. Yeah, yeah, we mm-hmm. recommend it. It'd be good. Oh, oh, and you can't forget this: Super Troopers Two. <laughs> Super Troopers Two is coming out. Why don't you go see that one and let me know how it is? I will go see it. <laughs> I, I, I will. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that one as well. <laughs> All right. Are there any TV shows that you're you're into, Harry? Do you have uh, the time to watch those long TV shows, episode I, after I episode? I actually, yeah, I, I really don't. Um, I, I watch a couple of sitcoms like The Big Bang Theory and Blackish um, when I can, when I remember that they're on. Um, the only one that I've watched reliably and and you know consistently this last year was uh, The Orville. Oh yeah. Um, just happened to be sitting in front of the TV for some reason when the first episode came on. My son was there. We watched it, enjoyed it, and we've watched we watched every, uh, all the episodes of that. Thought it was funny, you know, different. Um, and uh, that's that's about it, though, for me. Okay. Um, I look look at Netflix and all the stuff that's there and want to, um, but it's just time. Yeah, yeah. I I saw the first episode of Orville and liked it as well, but I just didn't get back to it. There's, you know, jokes online about how Orville is the best Star Trek show ever. <laughs> so uh, it's kind of. Why yeah. don't you tell us a little bit about Orville and what some of your famous moments from from that show? Um, okay. It, well, it's a. I guess it's an homage to Star Trek. Really, it's a, you know it's a ship, an exploration ship in in a union instead of the Federation, sometime in the in the, the not too distant future. Yeah. Um, and from week to week, the crew is uh, off on adventures. There's an alien race that, that they're kind of at war with, um, although um, there's a little bit of silliness to it because they're in a small exploration ship, and they're the ones that always seem to end up fighting this, this alien race instead of the bigger battle cruisers that the Union has. Um, they're, sometimes, um, though, the show is a little... I don't know, can't decide what it wants to be, if it wants to be a comedy or a drama um, or even a morality play, because there's been some episodes that were that really looked at how dysfunctional society could be and how we can take elements of our society. And if we took them to um, took them to their their ultimate end, how bad it could be. Um, There was an episode where the whole 
whole planets um, lived basically on your um, on your status. And if you offended somebody, they would give you uh, a down votes. And if you made somebody happy, they'd give you an up votes. And if you got below a certain number, they'd take you in for re-education. And everybody thought that that was just, you know, re-education. But what they were actually doing was lobotomizing the people that got below a certain number. Um, and they were, the Orville crew was not supposed to interact with this um, this population. This was an un un charted, untouched worlds, and they were trying to find some anthropologists that had been sent there to study them and that had gone missing. And uh, one of the characters ends up causing a scene and um, starts getting just thousands of downvotes a minute <laughs> and uh, gets captured and they don't have an easy way to take him out. They don't have uh, tr- the uh, transporter technology that Star Trek does. Okay. So they got to get him back to a shuttle to get him out, but he's in a jail and it's, you know... Um, it's uh, but there's there's been some some interesting episodes. There was a world ship in one, where a population had been on a world ship so long they didn't realize they were on a ship anymore. <laughs> um, that one was pretty cool. Um, there are some oh the, some some moments that aren't for younger kids. This is definitely a sixteen and up show. Yeah. Um, the the references they make and and uh, it's um, definitely above PG thirteen sometimes. Um, which is another thing. Sometimes there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with it, and, and younger kids could watch it and, and enjoy it like a Star Trek episode. And other times where they're, tr- because of, you know, Seth, they're yeah. trying to push the limits and see where they can go. Yeah. Uh, overall, I enjoy it though, and was disappointed that it was only a, a half season first first season, and it won't be back until August. Oh, okay. Well, the one episode I did say I enjoyed, so yeah, I'll have to go back and check it out. It sounds pretty funny and interesting at the same time. Hmm. I, haven't, I haven't even really heard of it, so <laughs> it'll be something I'll, I'll have to look into. But uh, speaking of Star Trek, um, have you have you, have you either of you watched the Discovery, no. the new Star Trek? Uh, no. I guess uh, no. Jonathan Frakes is the new director. He played number one. Uh-huh. Right, right. So that's uh, that's that'll be good news. I've heard it's been doing well. I haven't been watching it because I don't want to pay for that stupid app yeah. that it's on. I'd rather wait for some pirated copy on YouTube. I mean, some <laughs> legal copy on YouTube or you know what I mean? Uh, not something that I have to pay extra for. And, and I've heard um, a lot of rumors and read a lot of rumors that uh, they, they may be trying to take that out for next season because they think that viewership is down because of that. And I, I guarantee it is. I mean, I don't watch it because of it. So, yeah. We'll see. yeah, I don't think that's a good idea for the, for this type of show. I think if you had a, a show that a show that appealed to more kind of a broader audience, you could try something like that. Um, if you're that, if that's what you're using to fund the, the show, I think you'd have a hard time with Star Trek, though. I think it's a bad move all around because the the people who who are interested in it are going to pay for it like like you are and they have you know they're a little more tech savvy most most of the time they can just watch it through other means mm-hmm. i think it's a bad idea so. uh so before we move on from movies this have one movies or shows i have one question to ask you guys what is your most anticipated movie that you want to watch besides han solo you guys are both those Star Wars nerds. Besides Han Solo, what's your your one movie you're looking forward to 2018? Uh, I would say uh, Aquaman. Just, Aquaman, just because it's DC and I'm a DC guy, so that you know appeals to me naturally. But you know, it's just the character you 
there, he's been the butt of jokes for how many years, right? And now he has a serious movie, serious actor, you know, hopefully a serious story. You know, it's just, you know, what are they going to do to make people like it? It's it's more intriguing than anything for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Okay. Okay. And you, Harry? Well, before Justice League came out, I would have said Infinity War because I'm, I'm, you know, Marvel's my thing and kind of excited to see where the story's going and how they're going to start bringing everything together. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Um, Aquaman seems super interesting. After seeing Justice League, um, liked the character, liked his story, you know, the the rogue away from his civilization, doing his thing, um, being a superhero but not being a superhero. Um, like I said, a serious actor. Um, and uh, I like scuba diving, so I've always been jealous of Aquaman. Um, <laughs> if I could do it without any gear, that would be super awesome. So, um, yeah. I think it's going to be a good year for movies. I, it's, it's hard to pick one movie um, other than Han Solo. <laughs> <laughs> what okay. about you, Mark? Uh, for me, I have to take away Aquaman because I mean, that's my go-to kind of like Han Solo's for you guys. Uh, so besides that, um, it's really a tie. So I'll, I'll just pick one. I'm going to say Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that, that one. That will be amazing because I really liked the first one, the first Fantastic Beasts. It was it was great. Really well done. Um, I felt like it was got away from the magic of the first seven that I hated. But, you know, I, I really like this one. And the one that I think tied with it is X-Men Dark Phoenix. So that's coming out this year? Yes. Oh, nice. I, that, yeah, it's slated for October. Oh, I thought it was or November. Yeah, it's slated for November. Nice. Yeah, that'll be good. So, and uh, has uh, is it Jennifer Lawrence? Is that her? The she plays uh, Sansa in uh, uh, Game of Thrones. No, it's somebody. I think Sophia something. I can't remember her real uh, name. Jennifer Lawrence is the um, Mystique. Oh, that's right. I should know who she is. I forget who she is on purpose, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's yeah, a Sophie great actor. I think is the Phoenix. Yeah, somebody. Yeah, Sophia Turner. That's it. Yeah. All right, Game of Thrones fans, don't hate me. I apologize. I let you down today. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So plenty of good movies this year, definitely. Um, so we teased it a little bit at the beginning. Uh, we're talking about some some games start off with mark's new and latest game darkest dungeon uh we talked a little bit about it last time just kind of a hey this is what i'm playing type thing so you've had some time under your belt to play it you still feel the same are you still liking it where are you at with with darkest dungeon oh yeah i enjoy it did you did you get a chance uh, i put up a a trailer on our facebook page did you get a chance to look at it no i'll look at it right now while you're talking okay so <clears throat> It's just a game. I got it off Steam. I'm sure they have it on other platforms. For those of you that don't know what Steam is, Steam is a basically a gaming platform you can download and purchase video games from, much like you do with Voodoo or any of those movie platforms. But this is for video games. And, um, <clears throat> and I happened to run across this by accident. Uh, I was just looking at uh, some games that some friends of mine have played, and I ran across that, and I looked at it, and it looked amazing. Uh, it's basically a, a hero dungeon game, and uh, you uh, get 
four heroes and what you do is you recruit them so every week uh new heroes come they're pretty random you recruit them so you can recruit like a warrior or mage or whatever but they they have tons of abilities tons of classes so you can make different groups and uh, you go to these dungeons and it's not really like 3d like you see it's just almost like a 2d world and pushes you forward and uh, use your abilities to fight and there's a lot of different things that can go into it that just make it horrible (laughs) Uh, even in the game like the game when it starts when it's loading it tells you basically this game is about making the best of a horrible situation and it drives me nuts like it doesn't matter what it is like i'll start a dungeon and five turns later all my guys are dead and I'm like, what the heck? You know, I've got to run away from the dungeon, start over. Uh, other guy, times, like, I'm about to beat the dungeon, the last guy, and I miss seven times in a row. I just can't hit the guy. You know, just whatever it is. It's it's so crazy and so random. And uh, your guys experience fear throughout the game. So as, as you're going, they start, like getting scared because it's dark or someone hits like gets a critical hit on them so they get even more scared or you know there's a trap and and if they get too scared uh there's basically a role to see how scared you are and sometimes your guy gets uh like a resolve so he's like oh i'm gonna be a hero today and he you know steps up to the plate but 99 percent of the time like all of a sudden they get like irrational or fearful or whatever it is so then just randomly in your middle of a fight your guy's like i'm too scared to fight so he passes his turn and then he dies and then you yell at your screen and sit there for five minutes deciding if you're going to try to run from the fight or continue so it's amazing i i have a uh, in your little town so each week you go back to your little town to regroup uh you have a graveyard and i've got like 50 guys dead in that graveyard so it's amazing but uh <laughs> apparently they want to keep coming to help me so i keep recruiting them but uh, <laughs> it's really fun it's uh i mean there's not a lot to it you know uh, it's almost simplistic as far as a dungeon game goes but it's it's a lot of fun i would suggest uh, you know, if you're looking for a new game, trying it out. Uh, they just had it on sale for $10. I think regular it's for $20. Uh, a lot of great reviews, overwhelmingly great reviews. It's 4.5 out of 5 stars uh, as far as Steam goes. Uh, I know it received a lot of votes during the Steam Awards. They just had their yearly Steam Awards. Didn't win any, but it. Uh, I know it gotten quite far as far as the voting process. So... Um, but take a look at the uh, the trailer. I did also put a little bit of the gameplay on there, so you can kind of see what I'm talking about. But it's a it's a lot of fun. So is there like a through storyline, or is it just campaigns, or how would you describe that? It's all one big campaign. Uh, there is a storyline to it. Uh, what it is is there's a, the owner of the mansion. He decided that he was sick of being rich. And he wanted more. So he started looking into their family history and saw that there was some unknown power underneath his his mansion. So he spends all his entire fortune digging to find it. And he finally finds it and he goes in and there's monsters everywhere. It kills all the miners and he barely gets away with his life. And you're some, I don't know, relation. doesn't say what your relation is, but he asks you to come back and help uh, to try to clear out the um, – the evil within so uh, and that's that's what the first trailer is all about and then you show up and um you start recruiting guys and uh, you can't go in the 
main dungeon to start with you have to start kind of on the outcrops of the building uh and work your levels up before you can go to the main building i unfortunately haven't got to the main building yet because my guys keep dying before <laughs> i get them high enough level and uh and it's really unforgiving so it's not like a game where you can save it and then try something and you're like oh well that didn't work my guys got killed nope uh there it saves for you like every 10 seconds so there, there's no stopping it you can't even stop in the middle of a dungeon like or a fight and quit out once you load it back up you're back in that same fight in the exact same spot. I know because I've tried, <laughs> and it's horrible. So there's a uh, it's little remorse, really unforgiving, and you have to have patience, which I don't have. I've my wife has gotten happy. Mark, stop yelling at that game because it's frustrating, but it, it really is a lot of fun. So that's probably been one of the best games I, I've played in some time. Uh, looking at the, some of the, the gameplay that you posted on the Facebook page, and it looks um, it's definitely different from what we're used to seeing lately with video games. Uh, it's kind of got a comic book feel to it. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's 2D. Um, it's one of the things that I find intimidating with game video games nowadays is just all the options you have and all the buttons you got to push, that sort of thing. How is that aspect with, with this game? It's really simplistic, like I was saying uh as far as a dungeon game goes today, because uh, it is 2D. Uh, what it is, I think there's each character has like eight abilities that they can use, but you can only use four at one time. And it's turn based. So they'll go, their characters will get a turn, then you'll get a turn. And so a character will come up and you basically just to say, hey, I want to do this ability of my four. You And then it, you know, it takes care of itself. There's no role that you have to do. There's nothing. Um, it's just really point and click is all it is, which I like, right? Because sometimes I just don't have the time or, you know, with a little two-year-old running around, I, I don't have the, you know, concentration to do those crazy in-depth games. And so this is a, a real nice um, break from all that where it's just simplistic. The story is cool. The music is great. This, you know, as you're fighting, as you're walking through the, you know, the, uh, they call him the caretaker. He's the guy that called you back to come help. He keeps commenting on things. So if you know if your guy gets scared, he kind of is like, oh, fear, you know, like fear. Fear makes you want to run. You know, just kind of like yeah. uh, commentates your failures and commentates your successes. And uh, sometimes, like it, like I just am like, shut up. I, I tell him I don't want to hear him tell me how my guys suck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's uh, it's it's really fun. It, it's uh, very entertaining for for ten bucks. So. Good. Um, is there a sequel out yet? Do you know if there's going to be a sequel? Or I haven't heard of it. They have. It's called DLC, which stands for downloadable content, and so they have. Uh, I think three different um, right now, three different options for downloadable content. Uh, so what happens is when you load it, they they have this huge, ridiculously long. Um, I, I don't know what it's called, like quests, I would say, I guess, like quest chain yeah. um, that you, he wants you to do certain things. And I know that some of the downloadable content adds on to those. Some of them give you diff- like more classes to choose from, uh, you know, things like that. Uh, they do cost money. I think some are as low as $3. I think one of them is $12. Just depends on what it is. So I, I assume that they're going to make more downloadable content because – of the popularity of the game, yeah. but I 
I mean, I haven't looked into it that much, I'm, but I'm sure there will be. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Well, it sounds like pretty fun. Um, keep us posted on, on how it goes. How, how long do you think it'll take to, to beat it? Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm like at 20 hours. And so before you can even go into the main building, you have to be level six. And I think I'm like level three. Mm-hmm. So right. I, <laughs> I had to start over multiple times and, uh, it's frustrating cause you'll get one guy that's really good and, uh, he starts just, you know, killing everything and then he gets too high of a level. So you'll, you'll go to do a quest. He's like, that's beneath my powers and he won't go. And I just <laughs> want to punch him in the face. I'm like, no. So then I have to send in like five different groups of people and watch them all die to keep trying to do it. <laughs> it's like a game with an attitude. It is. It really is. It, it uh, is not for the faint of heart. So, <laughs> cool. All right. So we also talked a little bit at the at the beginning about Harry and his uh, games that he likes to play. Um, why don't you kind of go into a little bit with that and tell us? Probably start with your your favorite game that you like to play with and uh, w- tell us a little bit about that. A summary of that. Um, I guess if I had to pick a favorite, it would probably be X Wing, just because I am such a Star Wars fan and. Yeah. Um, I mean, what kid, the first time he watched A New Hope, didn't want to be in an X-Wing flying with Luke or a gunner on the Millennium Falcon? Um, And so that kind of scratches that itch. Um, X-Wing's a tabletop miniatures game from Fantasy Flight Games. Uh, It comes with pre-painted miniatures, which is the cool part. So if you're not a painter and and, and like a modeler, you can buy into the game, right? Uh, The the miniatures come fairly well painted, I mean, for pre-paints. Um, I've only repainted things when I wanted to get something unique. Um, other than that, the vast majority of the ships I own for the game are unpainted or not unpainted, but you know, the out of the package pre-paints and and they do look really good. And they have Um, a a sequel Armada or how does that fit into X-Wing? Armada is, uh, not really a sequel. It's, it's just, it's a standalone game, but it, um, it's capital ship combats. So instead of X-Wings and TIE Fighters, while they're still in the game, they fight as squadrons. Um, the main players in Armada are the big ships. You know, um, the Mon Cal Cruisers, um, Star Destroyers. Um, Star Destroyers, a lot of people haven't ever heard of if you're not into the expanded universe of Star Wars, like the Gladiator and the Victory class. Um, and it's the big ships slugging it out. Yeah. Uh, Is it uh, just... From the original trilogy era, or is it some prequel stuff, or all mixed together? It's kind of all mixed together. X-Wing started, the original box was an X-Wing and a pair of TIE Fighters. Um, and from there, filled out the original trilogy quickly over the first probably four or five waves, and then started delving into other things, into more of the expanded universe. Um, the original two factions were Imperial and Rebels, and then got all of, within a couple of waves, had all of your basic ships. X-Wings, Y-Wings, A-Wings, B-Wings, um, the Millennium Falcon, even uh, Dash Rendars, YT-2400. Um, uh, all of those for the Rebels. And then the Imperials had your X-Wing, your TIE Advance, or uh, rather your TIE Fighter, your TIE Advanced, um, the TIE Interceptor, TIE Bomber, um, the Lambda Shuttle. And uh, the releases kind of coincided. You'd get a big ship for one and a big ship for the other. So kind of keep the game sort of equal. Yeah. A few waves in, they added the scum faction to the game for all the people that wanted to be bounty hunters. 
Yeah. And um, because originally um, Boba Fett was released as an Imperial player or as an Imperial ship, as he's, you know, a hired gun for the Imperials. Um, now you've got Boba Fett, the, the bounty hunter. He's a, his ship's a little more powerful. He's a little, a little better pilots as he's doing his own thing. And adds that whole um, group of, of bounty hunters that you see in Empire Strikes Back when they're standing there on the Star Destroyer and um, all of those guys get uh, a pilot card and, and their ship of choice. And that really changed the game because you've got these really powerful ships um, and compared to, you know, X-Wings and, and TIE Fighters, um, but added a third faction for the people that didn't really feel for either side. Yeah. Um, and it just, uh, I think they're on wave 13 or 14 now, have continued to add ships. Um, at some point, they they did the new order ships, so they re-released the, the core sets, but with a T-70 and new order uh, TIE Fighters. So with new paint schemes and then the T-70 model. And it uh, didn't really change the rules, just it's for, you know, people that were introduced through Star Wars through Force Awakens. Right. And they've, uh, so the, the waves have kind of flip-flops between the original stuff and the the new newest trilogy editions. Um, haven't bought into that yet. I'm still trying to complete my collection, all the original stuff to get as much as I want. Um but it's, uh, it's out there, some cool stuff. Kylo Ren's Starfighter was just released not that long ago. Nice. Um, and the uh, Bombers from Last Jedi, that was a highly anticipated release of late. People were pretty geeked about that for a heavy bomber Rebels. Well, they died pretty easy, so... They sure did. So <laughs> it, it was released before the movie, so people were excited. Now probably some of that excitement's worn off. Uh, <laughs> It's it's still a cool model because it's humongous compared to everything else. Um, yeah, they you know, were cool the, looking uh, ships. Yeah, the trailer look, it looked awesome. It's too bad they went out so quick. Right. Um, very fun game, easy to get into, elegant gameplay. Uh, you only need a three by three space to play on, two players, uh, a handful of ships, and you can go as deep into it as you want. You can be like me and have two of everything, um, and repaints of some ships. Or you can uh, just buy, you know, a handful of ships, have one team that you play with consistently and you get good with. And uh, maybe a, a ship or two that you change up to depending on who your opponent is. Um, it's very much a tournament game um, from one aspect as with the, the continual releases of new ships and new cards and new abilities and new rules. But by the same token, there's tons of people playing it that are only interested in Star Wars for Star Wars. And play a lot of the scenarios or uh, write their own scenarios and do story-based um, gameplay or even campaigns. There's some fan-based campaigns that are exceptional and really, really well done uh, that uh, you can just jump into it and play a campaign game where you're, you know, you're a rookie X-Wing pilot just starting out with the Rebellion and then you know, move through the ranks and, and gain abilities and traits and, and uh, do your thing for the Rebellion. So how does a campaign work? Uh, do, I mean, do you have to have like a GM to, to do that then? Generally, the, the, the rules, these fan written rules don't need that. Uh, in fact, one of the campaigns is a solo campaign. The guy created an AI for the uh, Imperial ships and an effective enough AI that people love it and, and play it and are downloading it all the time. Um, I haven't or I've downloaded it. I've never printed it out. Um, 
uh, I kind of like the, the face-to-face, but I understand where people that are by themselves want some way to play. So you don't even need a, 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 game, a GM so much for these campaigns. They're kind of just you know self-paced um, and your incremental steps. So there's just a moderate amount of record keeping. You know, this guy was pilot skill one today, won a couple of missions. Now he's pilot, pilot skill two. Um, or, you know, you've upgraded your R2 unit from a, a real basic astromech to something that gives you a special ability. Hmm. Things okay. like that. So if I'm a new player, never played, I want to get into it. Uh, I know you have to buy the miniatures and all this stuff. How, how much... Uh, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about, about this before, but how much would it take me to get into this, to get a, a squadron, to go buy one? You could do it for about 100 bucks or less. Um, you can get either one of the core boxes for, uh, I think they're around $40 usually online. Um, game stores might be a little more expensive. I try to support local game shops. I do, you know, I, I buy most of my ships there just because it's some place to introduce people to the game. And then there's things hanging on the wall for people to see. Um, but for about $100, you're going to need three to, to six ships, depending on what you pick for a squadron. And ships run uh, 15 bucks for a normal Starfighter, um, all the way up to uh, $40 for one of the large base ships. Um, and then if you get into Epic Play, where you're buying really big ships like a, the, the Corellian, the CR-90, or an Imperial Raider, those are like 70 80 bucks. But those aren't used for typical games. So I'd say for for about a hundred bucks, you could get into it easy. Especially if you hit eBay, you can sometimes find um, collections. Basically, the guy bought into it and for whatever reason decided to jump out, and he's selling a whole set and you know six, ten, fifteen ships, whatever, for a, a good price, hundred, hundred and fifty bucks. Okay, okay, so it's not not a huge investment, but uh, enough that that. Uh you know that you know what you're getting into kind of like you you want to make sure you want to play before you really jump in right right and most um most quality game stores have a uh, a setup they've got a, one of the core boxes open on a small game table setup fantasy flight has sent those all over the place to, so you can you know stop into a, a miniatures gaming store and uh, and check the game out and play it and you know get your first taste into it and even the core box, you can play it by itself. You know, one tie or two tie fighters versus one X-wing, you can play that a little bit. You're going to want to expand it, you know, if you catch it. But if not, you're down forty bucks. You drop it for thirty bucks on eBay, and you've got your money back. If if it's not for you, um, it's been a big hit worldwide. They've continued to release stuff. Um, you know, the uh, the forum on the Fantasy Flight website is is thousands and thousands of pages with thousands of users worldwide. Um, and uh, they're fairly open to fan criticisms of the game. They have uh, have nerfed a few cards that when they were released, they were just really powerful. Or combinations of cards that got missed in playtesting. Um, there's, there's combos that you can roll together and, and sometimes can, can be really, really powerful. And they either didn't notice or didn't care when it was released, but sort of changed the meta of the game in a negative way. And they've gone back and revisited those things with FAQs and errata and all that. Um, and, you know, fans keep hoping for, you know, more stuff. Uh, I, I know the big hope is is for the prequel trilogy ships. None of those have been released yet. So people are kind of looking for that, hoping for Jedi Starfighters and Droid Starfighters and the uh, the Naboo. What was that? The N1 and uh, 
some of those things. So you can jump into a different era, a different set of pilots, and just see how the game goes from there. Um, but they've got the dual games, not really games, but eras where you can play Rebellion era or Resistance era. And just whatever is your interest currently. Nice. That's something I'd be interested in doing. Um, so you, we also talked uh, earlier about Lords of Waterdeep. Kinda. Lords of Waterdeep. That's yeah, a fantastic board game. Um, like I was saying, you don't have to be a D&D fan to, to like it. In, uh, if you're familiar with, uh, with Waterdeep, all of the stuff will make more sense. The places mm-hmm. and the names and the idea. But the basic premise of the game is you're one of the six lords of Waterdeep. And you're gathering adventurers to complete quests. So you have some quests and some intrigues that you can play. And at various locations throughout the city, you're gathering clerics and mages and wizards and, and uh, fighters and thieves to complete quests. And uh, those are represented in the game by, by wooden blocks, colored wooden blocks. You know, the fighter's orange and the cleric's white and the mage is purple and the thief is black. And um, your quest will need a combination of those, you know, depending on the quest. And as you complete quests, you gain golds that you can use to, to buy locations in the game that you can control that give you benefits and bonuses throughout the game. And um, it's a... I believe it's a, a seven or eight turn game is all. So it's a set turn limits. And um, the, once you learn to play it, the gameplay goes really fast. You, you, you start with two agents. And so you're only going to two locations per turn to gather up uh, your adventures that you need. And I think it's turn five. You get a, a third agent so you can start gathering more things uh, and, and completing quests a little bit faster. Um, pretty fun um, interaction to it. There's a little bit of of stab your buddy in the back where you can hand him a a mandatory quest that's not so easy that he has to complete before he does anything else. Um, And then you can pay attention to what other people are after because the quests are up and you can kind of grab stuff that they're after. So there's a little bit of that that gameplay, that interaction. Um, But you really don't need to be a fan of D&D to play it. it. It could be set anywhere. Um, it's just the names and places are, are from the Forgotten Realms setting in Waterdeep. Um, and really fun game. I, I highly recommend it. Everybody that's played it has, has enjoyed it. Um, and uh, a buddy of mine, first time he played it, he, he ordered it online while we were playing it. <laughs> um, and we were playing it with his 11-year-olds and his uh, 13-year-olds. Okay. And um, his family enjoys playing it, and I've seen him post on his Facebook page several times at you know game night, and they had busted that out. And um, last time I played it with the the young man, the youth at church, two of the boys were like, "I'm asking for this for Christmas," <laughs> and their moms, you know, came in and like, "What's the name of this game?" That's all they're talking about. Um, where can I get it? Cool. Um, highly recommend it. So it's more so- of a traditional board game than a miniature game. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a traditional board game. Yeah. Um, yep, so everything's in one box. Have you played the expansion? Looks like there's an expansion to it. Scan- Scoundrels of Skullport? Yes. Um, I, I, as soon as it came out, I picked it up because I'm kind of a completist when it comes to games <laughs> and had to have it. But it also added in uh, the sixth player. I guess the original box was two to five players. Scoundrels of Skullport adds a sixth player to it. So, you know, if you've got you know three couples together, you can... Three couples can play it now instead of just an odd man out. Um, and it adds a little more 
uh, intrigue to it where there's negative points that you can gather. So you've got to kind of control those as you're doing things and and try to you know keep your score up without getting too many of these negative points. Uh, I think they're skulls. We've only played it once, um, but it does add a little different dimension to the game once you've played the other one a few times if you want to change it up a little bit. Hmm. Okay, great. Yeah, that looks fun too. I just while you were talking about it, was looking, reading about it. Uh, um, people that care, Patrick Rothfuss plays it. Um, I know some people are like, oh, my favorite guy. Play. But yeah, Patrick Rothfuss plays it, which is probably why he'll never finish his book. Yeah. But when it's done playing. Lords of Waterdeep. <laughs> when it gets done playing, he might might start writing. So, But uh, no, it looks, it looks like a, a lot of fun. I, this might be something that uh, I think uh, my friend Justin will pick up for me for my birthday. So Yeah, if you're nice to him. <laughs> no, it looks fun. We should looking to get into that for our game nights oh yeah for sure i i i think when we go to that salt con i want to kind of look up yeah. these games and, and go play them you know you know see if we can find anyone playing them and i'm sure they're out there right i mean yeah. just need to find it and, and play it and see what it's like um i don't know if you guys have any uh the the game stores that have their wall of board games um i'm lucky enough to have one of those places they got about 100 board games on the wall that you can and a table set up so you can just go grab one and, and bust it out and play it um, I don't know if you have one of those around anywhere. Um, uh, Game Haven's probably probably the biggest one in where we're at. It's called Game Haven. Um, I don't know. I've I've only been in there like maybe once or twice, but I know they they kind of have a setup like that. But might be worth checking out. Yeah. Problem is, Justin and I don't live clo- like real close to each other, so okay, gotcha. <laughs> it's tough to tough to be like, hey, I'm going to travel an hour down there and we'll hang out to play a game. <laughs> sure, right, that makes sense. Yeah, but yeah, I'm interested in that. About how much is the game, Mark? Does it say there? Uh, on this this website, I'm just done. I'm not sure. It's uh, dnd.wizards.com is where I'm looking. It shows uh, fifty dollars, forty nine ninety nine. I don't know if that's pretty standard. I'm I'm sure it is for a game like this, but uh, I mean, not bad. And it's got a lot of pieces to it, and. Uh, yeah, it is two to five players. So, I mean, just just a good setup, it looks like. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of components to it. When you first open it up, you're going to be a little overwhelmed. You know, as you organize the box, it does have a really good box organizer, unlike most board games. So everything's got its place and, and fits well into the box once you start punching out uh, the pieces and, and unbagging everything. Um, but, uh, yeah, 50 bucks, I think, is pretty pretty standard for a game of, of that size with that many parts mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah no. to ride was 50 bucks so okay we play yeah, all the time kind of looks like reminds me not the gameplay but just all the like the like rules i'm kind of looking through and the elements kind of like a uh puerto rico okay. right type game where there's just a lot to it but after you play it a couple times it kind of comes together yeah, um, the first time um, I had the the youth play it, um, it took them maybe two turns, and and all the kids had figured it out. Um, so yeah, you open the box, it looks a little overwhelming. I know one of the moms did say that when she was looking at the game, said that looks really complex. There's a lot of parts to it, but it's it's really not. The rules are fairly simple, and um, there's just a lot of parts that go into it that you're using. But it's you'll pick it up quickly. It's it's. Uh, pretty easy game to play yeah we'll definitely have to look at that so all right so a lot of good game options out there um 
Darkest Dungeon, Star Wars X-Wing, and or Star Wars Armada, as well as Lords of Waterdeep. So if you guys are playing any of those games, any of our listeners are playing any of those games or um, have had experience with that, so let us know what you think and what your favorite part of the game is and let us know on our Facebook page. Uh, so now we're going to move into The Last Jedi and about how good of a movie it was. Uh, it's been about, like agree. I said, or, a little earlier, it's been about three weeks going on a month since it came out in theaters, and it's still going strong in theaters. Um, I read today that it's up to $1.2 billion worldwide, with uh, just under half of that, $572 million, uh, being made domestically. But at the mm. same time, there's been a lot of um, backlash and just people complaining about this or that. And so, you know, we've all seen it here at Random Angst, and Harry's seen it, and we want to, now that we've had time to see it, think about it, listen to others, praise it or complain about it, just want to go back and touch on it a little bit and kind of see where we're at now that it's been, you know, almost a month since we've seen it. So um, I want to start with that and just say, you know, I have I liked it when I initially saw it. I've seen it three times and, you know, almost a month later, I still like it. I still think it you know, moves the, the story of the overall trilogy that we're going to get from this, this new era. I think it moves it forward. A lot of good things happen with the, the story in The Last Jedi. There are some, some head-scratching moments. I think I talked about it previously, but still kind of not hot on some things. But overall, I think it's, it's a good movie. And it's as far as, like, story-wise, because I think casting and direction and um, character development and all that, I think all that stuff is top-notch. Just the execution of the story and a couple things here and there that are the only things that I have problems with, and we can get into that a little bit. But one of the things that I've noticed is this movie is tending to kind of have the prequel effect where a lot of people didn't like it, and they make fun of it, and make funny memes online about it as well there's also another probably half the fan base that love it and defend it so there's you know starting to be more back and forth you know before these movies came out it was you know the original trilogy fans and the prequel fans and they kind of had a they were always arguing about something this or that and i think with this new sequel trilogy especially with the last jedi we're starting to see a new uh, division amongst the fans so It'd be interesting to see how episode nine comes along and wraps that all up. If there's, if it brings it all together and everybody's happy, or if it causes even more division. But um, what about for for you, Harry? How's it now that you've you know had some time away from seeing it? How's how do you think about that? Uh, I still enjoy it. Um, I only saw it the one time. Looking forward to it coming out on Blu-ray so I can pick it up, watch it again and again and again. Um, I enjoyed it. Like you, there was a few things that I would have changed, didn't care for, some of the execution of the story, didn't didn't agree with, but overall, I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was very true to the Star Wars, the, the whole saga, and it had those, those big themes of sacrifice and loyalty and friendship and um, that, that were throughout the movie. And, and stronger than in the last one in, in Force Awakens and, and kind of strengthens its ties to the Star Wars universe. Um, so I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the, the cast, um, the, the characters. Um, didn't enjoy that uh, those those bombers got blown up so fast. Um, still confused about gravity bombs in space. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that makes complete sense. 
Makes complete um, sense. So although I will argue. A, a, an explanation for that. Oh, did they? Yeah. I'm trying to remember what it was. It's something about it had electromagnets that pulled the bombs toward the, the starfighter. Okay. <laughs> I guess that's one explanation. Yeah. Um, um, in my arguments with uh, people that were naysaying the movie, um, mine was that a dreadnought has enough mass that it has a localized gravity field. <laughs> And uh, those were yep. ejector racks. Those weren't just, uh, they weren't just falling. Those were ejector racks, and they were kind of tossing them towards it. Right. Yeah, uh, that works too. <laughs> uh, my, uh, the, the day after I saw it, one of my really good friends had saw it, and he had just a lot of negativity to him about it and had to talk him down or told him I was going to defriend him on Facebook <laughs> uh, because I can't have that negativity in my life. <laughs> I enjoyed the movie so much that uh, um, I guess I overlooked some of the things other people did because of what I liked was so cool. Yeah. I think that's um, kind of my approach too. Yeah. The things that I didn't like is they're really not that big of a deal. And the things I did like were a big deal. So definitely over overlaid that for sure. What was some of the things that your friend was saying that he didn't like? Um, he didn't like the, what he thought the, the agenda that Disney was pushing in it. Um, the white man is bad. <laughs> the woman is good. Um, okay. Jedi suck. Um, Kind of that stuff, okay. um, and so you know, stuff I, that's not really part of the Star Wars universe, basically. It's right, Disney's fault or Disney that. Right, yeah, you blame it on the mouse. Yeah, um, but you know, I kind of argued with the the woman thing. Is you know, women have been a, an integral part of Star Wars since the beginning, right? Um, Leia was what 18, yeah. 17, 18, and she was one of the leaders of the rebellion. Uh, Mon Mothma was the leader of the rebellion and was a female character. Yep. So kind of steered him away saying hey you know women have been involved in star wars forever um they're they're a part of it it's part of star wars empowering young girls to be princesses and star pilots and jedi uh, that it's okay to to play with action figures and and yeah. to like sci-fi um said so i, I kind of disagree with that um yeah it, and, and maybe it was their agenda but i feel like the writers and the actors pushed back in unknown ways and, and kept, uh, if it was an agenda Disney wanted, they kept it from being a real agenda by just, I don't know, celebrating Star Wars. Yeah, it's creating a good story. Mm-hmm. What about for you, Mark? Um, well, I don't drink the Kool-Aid, so my, uh, my opinion might be a little different. I, I liked it. I, I did. Um, I think my problem with it is that it's... It wasn't even a, a movie that was hindered by too much story. It was hindered by not completing enough storylines. I think it left too much open, and it uh, and it opened more questions without answering any questions. And I think that bothered me because notoriously the second movie is the movie where you you know tell a lot of story, answer some stuff, maybe leave a few questions, you know. But I felt like this one just. I don't know, like it lost its way, you know, it got too involved, it got too too much going on, and and I didn't like it uh, for that. Um, What's an example of a storyline that was too much or perhaps shouldn't have been there? Uh, oh, too much. I, I think you need to wrap up who, uh, who Ray's parents were. I think you need to wrap up, uh, you know, where... Or not really wrap up, but either move on from it or get rid of it. But where uh, what's what's that lady's name with the big glasses and the eyes? Uh, Maz Kanata. 
yeah, I think you need to wrap that up. But then they kind of brought her back in and then didn't didn't really go anywhere with it. Yeah, that uh, part was kind of strange. Yeah, and, you know, just things like that. Um, I think, uh, you know, the part where you, you introduce that little boy who's, you know, like a slave with those running hounds and, you know, and then he, you know, force pulls the, the thing to him. I think you could have done that without having to introduce him, you know, in some weird long storyline. I don't know. I, I just felt like um, like I either needed uh, some closure or I needed more context. Okay. You yeah. know, and um, and I didn't get either. Yeah, I think context is at the heart of all my complaints for the film. Yeah, and, and so it really was kind of a drawback to me in those things, but it had a lot of great things for it. I think that if you... You know, if you go into a movie and you're a diehard Star Star Wars fan, you're going to be a Star Wars fan afterwards. Nothing's going to change. But I think if you go into it and you're just kind of like, yeah, I like Star Wars because, I mean, it's Star Wars. You know, you could end up, you know, like, and I think those are the people where you're getting a lot of pushback. But I think you just kind of need to change your perspective. You know, it's not, I went into it, you know, thinking it's a typical second movie in a trilogy. And I, and it kind of brought me down. Because it wasn't what I expected. And I think if I kind of change my my point of view and just kind of look at it like, uh, you know, the force is in chaos. And so what you're getting is a chaotic mess, you know. And when I look at it from that point of view, it makes more sense, you know. Like uh, everything's trying to balance itself out, but the world doesn't want to. But it's going to balance itself out no matter what. And to do so, there's going to be a lot of chaos. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing is that there's just like you can't even predict what's happening. And, you know, the force will get done what it wants to get done. And I think I just need to look at it kind of like at that point of view. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the first film was called The Force Awakens. So it's definitely uh, a player in this new trilogy. Um, I think, like I mentioned earlier, the context of everything, like I wanted I wanted to know who Ray's parents were, not to know their names necessarily, or I, and I wanted to know who Snoke was, not just to know his name, but to know their story. You know, why why is Snoke this major player that we've never heard of? You know, what's the context behind him? And I think that would resolve a lot of complaints. And it's something really simple that they could write into the script within, you know, take a minute, if that, two minutes in the story. And then Ray's parents provides context of who she is instead of just being this mystery character. Um, we know... She's from this desert planet. She hooked up with Finn to get off the planet. And now all of a sudden she wants to be a Jedi or restore, you know, bring Luke back to fight the First Order. But why? I mean, we, we've known her. I mean, the First Order or the Force Awakens it took, over, took place over like two or three days at most. And all of a sudden she's invested in saving the galaxy when she has no family, no friends. I mean, she has nothing to, to fight for, really. But if we had some context of where she came from, who her parents are, I think that would kind of ground her character more and perhaps help us to be a little more invested in what's going on with her. Just, mm-hmm. I think we need that context. Yeah. And it just, yeah, and it just wasn't there. So, I mean, it left you feeling like you wanted more, right? More of everything and uh, just more explanation or something. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, it kind of suffered when I gave it my grade for that. Uh, I still gave it the same grade, probably about B minus B, right in there. Um, but you know, I I did like it. Um, it it leaves 
just so much open for the next movie, right? I mean, they could really go just about wherever they wanted to. Yeah. Um, if you think I, about it, nothing, not much really happened in The Last Jedi. Like, um, Well, I, I got to learn that uh, they all suck at sword fighting because apparently <laughs> they can't beat like seven guards. So. No, they beat them. Well, yeah, barely. I mean, goodness, they both almost died. I mean, they're just guards, and well, they're Jedi. What do I know? Yeah, um, yeah, not much happens. Snoke dies, Phasma dies. Um, who else? Luke dies. Leia does not die. Does not die. Uh, so all these people die, and you know that's the movie. <laughs> <'Cause> really, <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, really, not that much happens. So how? My point is, Episode Nine is going to have to have so much stuff happen for it to sound to make it feel like you know this is a good trilogy that had some weight that had purpose that there was consequences and people can invest themselves in Mm -hmm. yeah no we'll we'll have to see what happens i mean i'm sure it's gonna be like every other jedi film where you just won't know and like they're not gonna release anything about anything and so people are just going to have questions and theories forever. But I mean, we'll see what happens. I, I've got a lot of high hopes for it. I think that the negative is, is in a way justified, but I don't necessarily think it in the long run it makes a lot of sense because, you know, it's for a reason. We just don't know what that is. Yeah. Uh, and the whole issue with, you know, the you know, there's too many women in this new trilogy or, you know, whatever that whole agenda that Disney supposedly has. Um, that's not really a part of Star Wars. I mean, that's, it's outside of its real world stuff. And I think it's great that they're including, you know, more women in, in the story because they've been absent for so long. I mean, my first crush growing up was Princess Leia. And that was for really sure. the, the one female in all the movies that I could relate to. So having more women is, is a good thing. Because then it's not mm-hmm. just the one doing everything. Yeah, I, I don't. It doesn't really bother me because I guess I don't see that. Like, I guess yeah. if I could, if I sat there and looked for it, you, you could find it there, right? I mean, obviously it's out there, but I don't. As I when I watch it, I don't feel it. And you know, I mean, you can tell. Like, if when writers are purposefully writing something in for some type of agenda, you know, whatever it is, whether it's like a political or women or, you know you know, for gay, anti-gay, whatever it is, right? It could be a million things. We've all seen that. That's when it bugs me is when it's like so obvious that it's ridiculous. I, I don't see it in this. I feel like it's it's natural. I'm, I'm fine with Ray being, you know, who she is. I'm fine with, you know, Rogue One with the women. I, I think it's great. I mean, I think it brings a lot of dynamic, you know, more dynamic to the movie, you know, more options, better story than, you know, just more of a linear, a guy has to be a hero. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, overall, my my grade stays the same. Uh, I think I gave it an A minus, mm-hmm. minus, B plus. I think I'm leaning more towards B plus at this point, but just barely, just because I had time to you know think about it. Still love it. It's still Star Wars, so it's not like I don't like it. It's just I prefer other Star Wars movies to this one. If I had to pick one, right? Um, but I think it does its part, does its thing, and advances the story. We'll see. Any final thoughts on that, Harry, on The Last Jedi? No, I just, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Um, there are a lot of questions, but um, gives me hope for the next one. So they, they, they are going to have to answer those questions. You can't leave it open unless they're going to go nuts and make the next movie a two-parter. Um, and, <laughs> Three-parter. Uh, <that's> <laughs> yeah. Um, 
and and I did walk out thinking, now how are they going to finish this story arc in one movie? Yeah, yeah, that's um, my big question too. Um, do I want to see Star Wars movies forever? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but do I want them to be an endless series of movies? No, I prefer uh, a story arc, a trilogy, uh, a defined trilogy. Um, so I'm I'm hoping that that's where they go with it, and they don't. You know, decide. Oh well, there's too much story to tell, so we've got to split episode nine into two parts. Yeah, um, yeah. I'd rather see a three-hour movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Make a three-hour movie. Don't do some dumb Justice League thing where you know what I mean, where you cut out a ton or Fantastic Four. Just come out with a great movie. I don't care if it's long, but make it make sense. Right. Yep. But question for you, Harry, real quick. I know we're. Uh, Justin probably wants to move on because he doesn't like Star Wars. But um, the uh, <laughs> for Star Wars movies, I know they they've said they're going to come out with one a year for however long. Would you like to see them make a series, like a movie or a series about Star Wars: The Old Republic? Absolutely, um, because it would introduce it to a, uh, to millions of fans that have no idea what what it's about. Uh, right, yeah, and that's what I was thinking. It's such a good storyline, anyway, right? With Raven right. and all, you know, just that dynamic him going evil, then coming back, and you know, lose, you know, they wipe his mind. I don't know. I I just think it would be. I, I just think there's so much you could do with that. So many great storylines and right. you know, a lot of action. Yeah, um, and and the majority of people that call themselves Star Wars fans, I mean, we know they aren't, right? Um, they're Star Wars fans because that's what the cool kids are. And, you know, half of them didn't even see Empire or Jedi when it came out. Um, saw it many years later because of the re-release and, and just watched it because it was the movie out that week. And then as the trilogies or the, the whole saga has grown and, and people have taken sides and all of a sudden everybody wants to be a Star Wars fan. But you've got a lot of people that don't know anything about it. They've never read a book. They've never played a video game. They don't know all of the expanded universe, and it's an opportunity to tell a whole bunch of stories that most people are not familiar with. So it'd be pretty cool. Perfect, perfect, yeah. perfect. Justin, how would you guys feel if if they just took elements from like character names, situations from those video games, and just made their own story? Or does it have to follow the story of the Old Republic? Uh, I I think you follow it because the story's good enough already. I, I think I mean I think there's things that you could talk about that's not necessarily in the storyline. Uh, you know, maybe you could do a little bit more with. Um, I know in the original, right? You had all those Sith lords everywhere. You know, those I think there were three of them. Uh, you could do a little bit more about kind of their individual storylines, give a little bit more context there. But I mean, this it's there for you. I mean, you don't even have to do a whole lot of. Uh, uh, creation, the storylines there. I, you know, I, I thought it was great. I thought it was good. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just, for me, the more I think about, it, the more I'd love to watch a movie about that, about Revan. So <laughs> it's kind of hard to take me away from that. I, I'm sure that's pretty biased, but I don't know. What do you think, Harry? Yeah, I prefer that they didn't just pick and choose. You know, kind of, you know, a smorgasbord thing, grab things and then try to create a story out of it. There's a story that's there. Let's flesh it out. Let's tell that story and get it out there instead of grabbing names or or events and then writing a new story. Um, I know that they've they've flushed a lot of the expanded universe down the toilets, um, but they they are slowly bringing back bits and pieces of it. I I, I think I, I, I understand why they did it. 
it's because of the, you know, in my opinion, I guess it's the lack of control that there was for the expanded universe and how everybody was able to write. There was, you know, (laughs) there was no central clearinghouse where it had to be edited or looked at before it was published. Anybody could publish anything. And there was, there were some stinkers out there. There was a lot of garbage. Um, and you know, you start over, you flush it down the toilet, and then you pull back everything that's good and worthy of, of staying in the, the whole story. So I would prefer that they didn't just grab bits and pieces and, and characters, but um, as long as the story gets told and we get some of these cool characters out there so that more people know about them and we know more, uh, I think I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they do that because I know there's, you know, I'm on a lot of Star Wars fan sites, Facebook pages, and that always comes up, you know, Old Republic. I want to see a movie about the Old Republic or a TV show, you know, that follows the Old Republic. So I, a lot of fans would love to see that. And I, I would too. I mean, I like that, those games and that era was pretty cool. I think they'd have to bring it up in the timeline a bit, not be 2,000 years ago because, I don't know, it just seems like technology would advance more than what, you know, is, is between that, those games and the, the, the movies. So... I don't know, that's just a nitpick, but I think a lot of people would would like to see that. All right, so moving on to the next topic. Um, We talked about, for the past uh, couple times and on our Facebook page, about doing an Avengers rewatch and that we would watch one movie a week. And if you watched one movie a week for the next however many weeks until May 4th, uh, when the Avengers 3 is released in theaters, you would have seen every Marvel movie. Uh, to prepare for for that movie release. So this week was the first week, and it was Captain America, the first Avenger, that came out in 2011. So it's actually not the first Avenger movie that came out, but it is the first one in the timeline, the movie timeline for the characters. Mm-hmm. And that's the way we're watching it. I know there's been some that have come out saying, oh, you know, do it in the date the movie released, but we're doing it in, you know, an actual chronological order of events in the you know timeline events yeah. yep and there's a list on our website as well as on our facebook page of you know that order as well as it's intermixed with the tv shows you know the agents of shield agent carter um the netflix marvel shows i mean it's a pretty expansive list but we're just going to be focusing on the movies the films and some of the one shots that are you know 10 15 minutes long so this movie was directed by Joe Johnston. Uh, he's done a couple movies here and there, and I thought it was—I thought this was one of the better Avenger movies that came out, especially in the beginning. Um, it's kind of sad that he didn't get another chance to do another Marvel movie, because I thought he did a great job with it. I think the casting was on par with Chris Evans being uh, Steve Rogers and Haley Atwell being Agent Carter, and um, the Red Skull was played by what's his name. Hugo Weaving. Yeah, Hugo Weaving. Mm-hmm. And he did an amazing job. I, I think the Red Skull is probably one of the better villains that we've seen in the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed his performance. Um, well, and I mean, he played in a bunch of movies, right? Some people might not know who he is, but didn't he play, uh, was it Agent Smith? Yep. Yes. Yeah. In uh, the oh, that trilogy. Yeah, The Matrix. So if you, now, now if you didn't know who he was and you've seen those, now you know who he is. He was also Elrond in Lord of the Rings. Yep. Oh, that's right. That's right. So he's got some good movies under his belt. He's a good actor. Um, So in watching it, for me, I'll just uh, list a few of the, the, some of the key points that are in this movie that 
play a big role later on down the line in this Avengers timeline, and then you guys can add some that you've noticed or talk about some that I mentioned. But I think uh, you know some some of the big ones were the establishment of Hydra that kind of showed us how that was created by Hitler and what its purpose was back in World War II, which is the time frame that this movie takes place in, in 1942, I think is when it starts. But it's in that World War II era. And then the establishment of the SSR by the United States. Um, I think it's the strategic scientific research arm of the government. Um, and they they um, create, the, one of the scientists for the SSR creates the super soldier serum. And actually he was actually part of the Nazis with Hydra first, and he created a serum that ended up um, creating the Red Skull, but it was a failure. So he defected and to you know to the United States side, and he perfected his serum, and they ended up injecting it into Steve Rogers because they felt he was the best candidate, even though he wasn't the strongest or the fastest, but he had the best heart. He was the you know the kindest, compassionate candidate they had, <clears throat> and so. The plan was to create a bunch of super soldiers to be able to fight against the Nazis. But they injected Steve Rogers. It worked. They were going to go forward with it. But then Hydra showed up and sabotaged the equipment, destroyed all the serum, and then shot the scientists. So there wasn't any way for them to immediately create more super soldiers. So it ended up being Steve Rogers was, you know, Captain America, the only one that they were able to create at that time. Um, in watching the movie later on down the line, his, his buddy Bucky was captured and was held hostage at the Hydra base. And it wasn't shown explicitly, so I'm kind of just guessing at this point because of the timeline, but it sounds like he was given some type of serum as well when he was captured at the Hydra base that didn't take Im- immediately take effect. I don't know exactly. I don't, do you guys have any thoughts or information on that with Bucky? Because he, he um, becomes the Winter Soldier, right? Yeah, I know it talked about him. It talked about it later, kind of during his. He had to do some training and stuff. So I'm sure it all took part. Then you know took took part. Then it just didn't really say, right? So you don't really know how soon that happened. Yeah. Okay. So maybe yeah, I was I always under the. Imp- Go ahead. Uh, I was always under the impression that it wasn't until his second capture, oh. when he comes off the train, that 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 was when he was experimented on. Okay. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, that that's what I mean. that's what I mean because I think the first time they were getting ready to experiment on him, right? But right. saved first. But then, yeah, when he was the second time when he um, fell off the train or you know whatever, um, I think you know that's when it happened. You just don't you know it happened right then. Years later, there's just no way to know. Although it would make sense that he had been given the serum, and that's why he survived the fall. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, that was I, kind of just, my just came to me. But why wasn't he a super soldier at that point? So I'm like, was there a delay or did it not entirely work? I don't know. So maybe that's revealed in the Winter Soldier. When we rewatch that, it'll explain it better. Uh, yeah, and it's also my understanding that later on with the Hulk, that he they were trying to recreate another version of the serum or another super soldier when they were trying to experiment on, on him and it went wrong and that's how Banner became the Hulk. Is that kind of your guys' remembrance or am I wrong? Uh, no, you're right. They talk about it in the Hulk, the Hulk movie, uh, the one with uh, Edward Norton. They, uh, you know, basically say that's what he was doing and uh, the, the general guy, I don't remember his name, general whatever, uh, was having him do it and then instead... Yeah, just like you said, created some crazy Hulk guy. Yeah. So, yeah, there's 
I guess looks like there was four people that were created, four characters that were created as as a result of trying to establish this program, the super soldier program. And yeah, really just the four that we've seen anyway. Uh, the Tesseract is introduced in this film. Um, it's an ancient artifact that, you know, stems from Asgard, but we see it here in this movie. Uh, they, they harness the power of the Tesseract to be able to create weapons, the Hydra does. And so Steve Rogers is sent in to kind of um, stop that. So uh see what else. Oh, in the end, the Red Skull, when him and Captain Rogers, Steve Rogers, are fighting on the airplane that crashes, um, the Infinity Stone of the Tesseract comes out and the Red Skull grabs it and he ends up disintegrating as a result. And we also see that play out in Guardians of the Galaxy when, I can't remember his name, the the bad guy in that film, does the same thing. He grabs the, the Infinity Stone and he ends up disintegrating in the same way. So there's some carryover consistency there. Well, didn't I mean? Right, isn't that? Did he die? I think I think he got transferred because isn't the tesseract? Doesn't that help them travel through space? Right. I don't know. Well, that's a good point. When he grabbed it, he kind of disintegrated in this line of light because the 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 top of the ship opened up like it was to another dimension, and there was a universe of mm-hmm. stars up there, and he kind of dissolved into. A line of light that shot up into the stars, and that was the last you saw of them. Well, and because that that made it look like it was like you know when uh, they come down from Asgard and it shoots it. That's what it looked like to me. Mm-hmm. Like more of he was getting sent somewhere, yeah, as opposed to actually dying. So I I don't think he's dead. That that's not. me. I think we're gonna see him again. I hope so. Hope he's brought back. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Just all of a sudden have him back. Yeah, even more powerful. He's gonna be he's gonna be a wild card in <coughs> Infinity Wars. Yeah, maybe. So anyway, that's how the Red School gets it and disappears. Uh, we see the the lovely agent Peggy Carter and her character. I thought was a great addition to this to this film. Her and uh, Steve Rogers played off well against each other. Uh, one of the sad things about this movie is they never were able to develop a relationship, or the line was they never were able to get the dance together that they were always wanting to do. And the saddest line in the movie is at the end when he wakes up 70 years later and he's there in Times Square in New York and he's like, oh man, I missed a date. Or, you know, however the, the wording was, you know, I missed my date. And right. Mm-hmm. That was pretty heartbreaking. That's that's one thing I liked about this movie. There was some heart to it. There's some consequences. Um, you really feel for these characters. You buy into them. You like them. You want them to succeed. And I think that's missing later on down the line in some of these Marvel movies. Uh, like I said earlier, the Red, the Red School, Skull, we get to see him. He's, in my opinion, one of the better villains in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, we are, we're introduced to Vibranium for the first time. Captain America's shield is made out of it, and it comes into play later on in the later movies. I noticed that Howard Stark creates Captain America's uniform in a similar way that he creates Iron Man. You know, a lot of same technology and designs are come from Howard Stark. Uh, and then just one little thing, um, when they're on the train and Bucky gets blown out the side, he picks up Captain America's shield to defend himself. And there's, in my mind, it's kind of a, an allusion to a later situation where Bucky becomes Captain America at some point in the, in the timeline, in the comics anyway. So I thought that was a good homage to all of that. And I thought it was an all around strong movie. It's one of my favorites in, in the, all of the, the Marvel movies. Uh, probably one of my top three out of all of them, if not 
number one. So uh, what are you guys' thoughts? Anything you guys noticed or liked or want to talk about at this point with Captain America? Mark? Um, like you said, it was, you know, a great movie when it came out. I liked it, you know, kind of what, uh, how they brought Captain America in. You know, it was this unassuming kid who, you know, didn't have hardly any athletic ability, nothing. But, you know, and they showed that in the movie, and I liked that because, you know, I think that's really what Captain America is, right? Selfless, you know, to the point of fault. Uh, you know, wants to do what's right to the point of fault. Um, you know, will fight no matter what it costs me. He's like, I, I really like that. I, I think they did the great job of showing that in the movie. Um, so, I mean, a lot of things were brought into this movie, like you talked about with the Tesseract, uh, one of the Infinity Stones uh, that are out there, one of the six. Um, I think that was important. Um, you know, I like you said, with uh, Agent Carter, that's like always a bummer. And then, you know, in the later movies, he comes back and she's old. And she has Alzheimer's or something. You know, it's just kind of a bummer for him. You know, like here's like the best guy that probably deserves everything in the world because of everything it's given. But he doesn't get it. Yeah. Right. Like the one thing. So I was like, oh, man, I guess, you know, no good deed goes unpunished. But, uh, um, you know, it's uh, it's going to be interesting like how you said with uh, Bucky grabbing the, the shield at the end, what they're going to do, because I know that they're going to phase him out, right? He was only, you know, in for so many movies. So he's going to get phased out. Makes you wonder what they're going to do with the Captain America slot there. Um, like I said earlier, I really do think Red Skull's still alive. I know there's that's a <laughs> probably going to get a lot of crap for that, but I really do. So, I mean... Uh, great movie it was a fun rewatch i I enjoyed it um like i i put it in my list probably number two for for the top i put it right behind hulk Mm -hmm. so hulk was my favorite interesting yeah i like hulk too what about for you harry um i I enjoyed it i remember seeing it and thinking like wow is if this is where they're going with with the marvel movies i'm really really happy because it was such a great story um i've always loved the the captain america story um every time i'm on a treadmill i wish i had the super soldier serum (laughs) to make it that much easier um and uh, the allusions to all the other movies the links to everything else that was coming later like weren't forced but it was a well-crafted story but yeah. still put a lot of other things in um, and, and those links to the other movies that really puts Captain America right into the middle of everything. Um, Asgard and the Tesseract and Red Skull and Hydra and Agent Carter and Bucky as a future Captain America and just all of that. Um, really enjoyed the story. Um, can't ever go wrong if you got Tommy Lee Jones in it, yeah. no matter what his role is. Yeah, um, great. I really enjoyed it. Definitely in my top three um, uh, of all the movies, um, just because it was such a great story and and really, I don't know, one ups all the other movies to date. Yeah, and and really led the way and and showed what could be done with a, a good director and a, and quality story writers and what can be done with the characters. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, no, it was good. But talking about the Tesseract. Tesseract, quick question. So, you know, it's kind of the idea, whoever touches it dies, you know, if you're not like, I don't know, a god or something, you know, uh, you're going to die. 
I mean, look what happened to the Red Skull, according to everybody else but me. He died. So here's a here's kind of a weird question. So you know, I don't remember which one it was. Remember when Loki comes back and he, and the Tesseract there he uses the Tesseract to come back from the other side. Right. Uh, and Fury grabs it and removes it and puts it in his bag. You ever thought about why Fury didn't die? Just a thought. Yeah, that's a good thought. It's <clears throat> an interesting concept. Right. I mean, what is Fury like? I don't know. Like it was kind of a. I was reading. Something a little bit ago, it talked about that, and I was like, "Oh, that's a good point. Why? Why did he? Why was he be able to grab it? You know?" So, hmm. something to think about. So it's either something that's going to come forward at some point, or it's a bad writing. <laughs> yeah. So was he the uh, first? <laughs> <laughs> did he have a glove on? Is it uh, skin contact uh, transfer of, of energy? Um, I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he had a glove on. So I, I don't know. I mean, this kind of seems weird. Then why everyone's scared to touch it? Just put a glove on. Look what I got. I got the Tesseract, you know. Yeah. But I guess that's the way around ultimate power. Wear a glove. <laughs> yeah. yep. And then just a couple extra things. Uh, as is standard with Marvel movies, there's always an after credit scene. And this one wasn't that great. It's just Steve Rogers boxing and Nick Fury shows up and says, hey, I'm going to try and save the world. And then it shows um, the trailer for the, the first Avengers movie. So I'm sure at the time it was amazing. But now that we've, you know, we're 10 movies into it or more, it's kind of like, eh, eh. whatever. <laughs> and then, That's it? Yeah. And then the Stan Lee moment, which is also pretty standard for these movies. Um, there was a scene where they're at an award ceremony waiting to award Steve Rogers for his heroism. He doesn't show up because he's already off getting ready to plan the next attack and stan lee's in the audience as a military officer and he makes the comment because they call for steve and then someone else comes out and it's not steve rogers and stan lee's like oh i thought he'd be taller so that was that was his line from from the movie Mm -hmm. and then since i since we're on the topic of agent carter and captain rogers steve rogers the Agent Carter one-shot that is on the Iron Man 3 bonus features, which is about 15 minutes. It's kind of in the tame, t- same time frame. It's a year after the movie. Uh, Agent Carter's in New York City. He's work. She's working for the SSR with all these guys, and they kind of give her the, you know, the, the bad assignments that they don't want to do and kind of belittle her. And it's a woman working in, the man, in a man's world in the 50s type thing. So it's not going well for her, but there's a night where all the guys go out for drinks. She's at the office late, and she gets a call. They call the office there to do an assignment, and she ends up doing it on her own and defeating multiple bad guys, uh, getting the objective, which ended up being a, a serum for uh, the, the, the person they were after. His name was Zodiac, and they ended up getting the serum from Zodiac. And then she completes the mission. All the boys are, all the guys are jealous, and the commander, the the main agent, is kind of getting on her for doing it without asking them for help. But then Mr. Stark calls Tony, or not Tony, Howard Stark calls, and wants to thank Agent Carter, and ends up promoting her to to run Shield. So that's kind of how that whole how she ends up being in charge of Shield is because of because of this story. Um, I thought it was a great promo for the Agent Carter series that came out. It only ended up being two seasons, and then ABC canceled it, which was a shame because I thought it was good. It was a time period uh, show, you know, in the the late 40s, 
where she's, you know, it, it was the same setting where she's working in this office with a bunch of guys and she has to prove herself and she ends up teaming up with uh, Howard Stark's butler. I want to say, I forget his name, sort of the J. Jarvis. Jarvis. Yeah, why did I forget? How do you not know? know. <laughs> Are you a fan? <laughs> So she teams up do, with do you Jarvis deserve to do a podcast about this? <laughs> she ends up teaming with Jarvis for these missions. And um, yeah, so they have a lot of adventures. And Howard Stark shows up sometimes in the show. And I thought it was great. It was too bad that it got canceled after two seasons. There's rumors that they'll bring it back, but who knows? You know, it's ABC. Yeah, you know, I was bummed they, they got rid of it. I thought it was a great series. I watched it. Every week it came out, I you know, all the way to the last uh, you know episode of this of the last season it came out. But it it was really good. I like you said. I hope they come out, you know, do it again, or maybe have Netflix pick it up. Right? They pick everything up. Yeah. Did you get a chance to watch the this one shot or the Agent Car- Carter series, Harry? Never did. Wanted to because I enjoyed her character in in Captain America. Um, thought she was a cool character and could continue to develop that and just it's another one of those time things always wanted to never did right. uh, and to be honest never even put the bonus disc in so <laughs> i didn't, didn't realize uh, what was on it yeah. i rarely do i always buy the ones with all the stuff and then and never watch them um yeah it's just and uh so i'm gonna have to pop that out and, and take a look at it yeah it's yeah. pretty good for what it is, it is. so the, you know so this happens good. after the the show because she ends up leaving the office after that to run Shield, so um, that, yeah, that's interesting and an interesting tie-in. So yeah, check it out. Uh, it's good, 15 minutes at most. There, that's it. Um, next up, we'll we'll be watching Iron Man this week, this coming week, and doing a review on Iron Man. So yep, and that's uh, Iron was was it the first one in the whole? I believe so. It was either that or Hulk, right? Yeah, I think it was. Ooh, I don't remember when Hulk came out in 2003. Yeah, so I guess Hulk would technically be the the next one that came out. Iron Man would have came out after the, come came out. It would have come out after that. Okay. Yeah, but for us, Iron Man, we'll be watching that. So watch it with us and let us know what you think online. Uh, it's been a long show. One probably one of our longest, and but it's been fun talking a lot about a lot of stuff. Games, Last Jedi. Captain America. What else to be address? Um, TV shows, movies that are coming out. Uh, Darkest Dungeon. Make sure you get it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So thanks for taking the time and listening to to our podcast. Hopefully it's uh, interesting for you. If not, let us know what would be interesting, and we'll we'll look at talking about that in the future. We're always responsive to our audience and what they want to hear. So let us know what you think. Um, we can address it in the future. Um, Mark, do you have any last minute thoughts for, for our listeners and what we've talked about? Uh, you know, just, uh, you know, do this with us. Watch the, watch the movies. We can talk about it. You can comment back. If you have questions, like Justin said, you know, let us know. We, we like feedback. We want to know what's going good, what we can do different. Um, you know, if you, know of anybody that wants to be on the show and has some extra expertise let us know i mean we've really enjoyed having harry here we enjoy having people come and talk with us and you know tell us about 
you know, their nerd cred and everything that they do. And it, it's fun. We enjoy doing this. So just, you know, thanks for listening and, you know, help, you know, be involved. Yeah, definitely. So we want to thank you again, Harry, for joining us all the way from Michigan this late at night. And appreciate uh, the dimension and aspects that you brought to our podcast, something that I could never do. And it's been great reaching out to you again and talking to you again after all these years. So it's a two-parter for me, a lot of great nerd talk as well as catching up with a buddy. So I want to thank you for coming out and and talking with us. Um, Do you have any additional last-minute thoughts that you want to talk about? Uh, no, just uh, thanks for having me. Um, I've listened to, to gaming podcasts of various sorts for years and never been a guest before, so this was a definite uh, like high geek moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was pretty excited. Good to catch up with you again and uh, to get to talk about stuff, uh, um, the games I like to play, and, and hopefully introduce people to something new and, and uh, check stuff out out there and expand the, uh, the, the gaming world. Yeah. Yeah, and... Um, you're always welcome back if you ever want to come back on and talk about the the latest game that you're playing or you know whatever you know floats your boat the next movie or next book you've read you know whatever you're always welcome back to to be a guest on our podcast so I appreciate we'll do time. anytime yeah yeah it's a lot of fun yeah so we want to thank our our listeners once again for listening and we're glad that you're a part of this uh, we're episode on episode 15. As we're just getting going, even though it's been going on since August or so, you know, we're still new and we appreciate you sticking with us and giving us a chance. Uh, please follow us on, on Facebook at facebook.com slash random angst, as well as uh, Twitter, twitter.com slash random angst. And we're also on Instagram at under random angst. Uh, our podcast is, ho- is hosted on soundcloud.com slash random angst. You can download it from the soundcloud app or listening listen to it straight off the soundcloud website and it's also on our website randomangst.com or you can listen to our podcast on itunes by searching for random angst um, so give us a listen uh, follow our show follow us on youtube on facebook you know we want to build an audience and get a conversation going so we appreciate uh your time and we'll catch you next time thanks guys we'll see you